before we started. I was on Zoom, so. All right. Should, okay, it was in testing on you. Should be good. I wasn't making fun of you. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm fascinated I'm, by the shape of my audio wave, so I try to make different sounds and see if I can make them make all the different mm-hmm. shapes. It's like the guy who does. Um, there's a guy who does Strava roots that look like things, and every day he'll go out and he'll plan his route to make it like look like a piece of art, like a creature. Oh, like he that's ch- clever! Yeah, for the Boston Marathon, he just did a route. You could, you could do like your favorite anime character, Jeff, or you could do like a crow's head. Yeah, I'd do a smiley face more like. <laughs> I mean, that's like more my. <laughs> My, like, level of, like, Strava art, honestly, but. Welcome to Into the Fold, a show where two best friends share their love of Lee Bardugo's Grishaverse chapter by chapter. I am Jeff. And I am Juliet. Hello, listeners. This week we are talking, finally, we as we have promised many times over and over, <laughs> finally, 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 we are talking about Six of Crows chapters one and two. Ka-ka! No foolies, we are doing it. Finally, just, we're done it. It's the little victories in life, you know? Like, mm-hmm. we we had this great running joke for a while about how we're gonna talk about Six of Crows, and then we don't. But now mm-hmm. we are. It yeah. it almost reminds me of, um, I don't think we talk about the YouTube channels that we follow too often, but do you remember, um, it was a while back, um, Jack Black started... A YouTube channel and he said he was gonna like start doing some let's plays and people got really excited about it he called it Jablinski Games and mm-hmm. almost overnight it gained like, millions of followers people were super excited about this and every mm-hmm. week instead of him playing games it's just it's like a daily vlog of Jack Black doing stuff with his kids <laughs> a lot of people are like when are you gonna get to the games and I'm sitting here watching these videos and I'm thinking you know what I'd rather watch this because watching Jack Black enjoy being a dad is just so fun because I love Jack Black and I love him more knowing that he likes hanging out and doing stuff with his kids because you wonder that about celebrities when they when they're so busy like he always is like do they get to see their kids I I, I hope they do Mm, me too well we get to see our kids today today we are seeing what like three out of the six of our children so um yeah we i mean we're just talking about the like the crows or the, the, yeah. the children in this yeah. okay in this exercise yeah. then yeah yeah, yeah we only six. get the we only get three and then we get a bunch of other randos who are not important <laughs> we yeah, are pretty yeah, we are stepping into a very, I mean, in a lot of ways similar, but a lot of ways different. That's what we're going to be, you know, talking mm-hmm. about with these chapters, I feel like. Since we're just coming off one series and going into another, it's going to be very, very heavy on the here's how it's different, here's how mm-hmm. it's the same. But then the more we get into the book, it's just going to be, you know what, we're here now. Let's just talk yeah. about this. Yeah, yeah. And I think we're going to have a lot to say. So. Before we say too much, Jeff, let's head on into the news from the front. 
news. News. Nice. Girl. So, girl. Yes. Girl. Girl. Let girl. me tell you something, you ugly you bitch. Ugly bi- oh you my gosh. Ugly I love- bitch. Yeah, first of all, Angeria Paris Van Michaels, if you ever hear this, I adore you. Thank you for doing oh God, what you're doing, exactly how you're doing it. And I love that my phone says calls me an ugly bitch every time I get a text ugly message. Bitch. It, my favorite ones are the ones that come in whenever I'm somewhere where I should probably have my phone muted. I swear my phone called me an ugly bitch in church once. It was hilarious. Oh. It's okay. It was a Quaker church. They're very liberal and they they, they get it. It's funny. They anyway, watch Drag Race. They're cool. So back to the thing. The reason I said girl, girl, mm-hmm. girl, we have been so busy. Yeah. We have done so many podcasting things in the past yeah. week. Um, yeah. What did we do the other day? Because if people have been on our Instagram, they know what we did. It went yeah. very successfully. Yeah, we got to talk with the Book and Bottle Ladies, which is the name of their podcast. And we talked about Hellbent and Ninth House, which was very exciting. And we even dressed up for that. So look Some forward to us. seeing that. Yes. And it was- <laughs> no. When you listen to the sh- when you listen to the episode or like go back and stalk through our Instagram, you'll 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 get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was very fun to chat with them. Those are obviously books that Jeff and I have teased that we are going to talk about here on the podcast. So we will actually be putting out that episode on our feed later towards the end of May. So look forward to that, um, and yeah. also on their feed. Yeah, because if we're going, I mean, we're going in order. It took us this long to get to Six of Crows. So if we do chapter, you know, discussions of the Dark Academia books, we're not going to be getting there for a really, really long time. So consider this a, like a as teaser. much of a discussion as you're really going to get from us about Ninth House and Hellbent for now. But I mean, there's there's plenty to talk about. And we didn't even mm. go as deep into both the books as we really could have. It oh, was no, more no, no. of a reaction kind of Mm -hmm. thing not so much an analysis per se but it was a really fun discussion and it was nice to it was really really nice to talk about these other books by lee bardugo because she went through so much development as a writer before she got Mm -hmm. to those Mm -hmm. and just trust me we we will make sure you guys know when that episode drops we're gonna drop the audio in our own podcast feed and you guys are gonna if you haven't heard books in bottles go listen to them now because those ladies are really really fabulous and we just we we love that we got to do that show with them yeah so that was really really fun um and then you've also been up to a lot of things jeff and i've been up to a lot of things and we have something else planned for this friday as well too we will be recording oh yeah yeah jeff you and i have a lot of business to be doing together this week my friend you know what? Okay. In the past week, um, in the past two week period, I have recorded so many different. I did an episode of Speak Beastie. I've done one episode of Alohomora already. I've got a Patreon bonus thing and a second episode of Alohomora to do within the next week. We did Books and Bottles. Yesterday, I did an episode of The Three Broomsticks. Today, we're oh, okay. doing Into the Fold. And Friday, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. I have been looking forward to recording this one for such a long time. It yes. is going to be so fun. We are doing Not So Young Adults. You but might we're doing remember. The movie. Oh, yes. See, you might recall, um, if you've been with us for a while, when we were uh, last on a podcast with our dear friends Spencer and Jess, 
we did an episode of Twilight Pod, which you should still go back and listen to. It's a great show. We talked about some of the differences and similarities between the Grishaverse and the Twilight universe. We talked about our experiences with each. It was really fun to do. And now they are doing Not So Young Adults, and they have been going through one of my new favorite series, A Series of Unfortunate Events. They are almost to the end of those books, but we are going to take a slight detour with them to talk about the movie. The Jim Carrey you, you, movie, You remember, yes, you remember... <laughs> oh, I, I saw that in theaters, Jeff. I love that it's the Jim Carrey version, because it's the same with The Grinch. There's different versions of mm-hmm. The Grinch now, so people specify, like, that's how they know it. Oh, it's The Grinch. It's the Jim Carrey version. Oh, I'm watching yeah. Horton Hears a Who. It's the Jim Carrey version. Like, if he's in it, that's how you know it, because yeah, he it's brings the a Jim Carrey tone. version. Boy, does he. Like, I, I really feel like he's one of those guys that... He he will do lines as scripted, but they also just kind of let him go in and do Jim Carrey stuff, and he gives them so much material that they can work with that it just comes across better than, I mean, say, Mike Myers doing The Cat in the Hat. Gosh, that went off the rails. Still fun to watch, but very, very different. Yeah, I feel like Jim Carrey is one of those actors who... He doesn't play a character. Like some some actors they like they play characters, but he plays Jim Carrey with an accent of whatever the character is. So he is Jim Carrey with an accent of Count Olaf, you know. Um as opposed to like another actor who would just be like you would only see that character like what we see with the Shadow and Bone characters like with I think Freddie Carter specifically like I see Cas Brecker when I look at Freddie Carter, but Freddie Carter is not Cas Brecker in real life. Jim Carrey is Jim Carrey, is Jim Carrey, is Jim Carrey, is Jim Carrey, you know. <laughs> But is he Jim Carrey, though? Yes, possibly. <laughs> um, but we're going to be recording with them on Friday. So listeners, look forward to that. We will share on our socials when that episode is live. Um, but other than that, that's pretty much all we have from the news from the front. But we do have a few short things from the voice of the people. Okay. The first thing we have is we have finally updated the Grisha tally, which is very exciting. Uh, We did post it on our socials and actually got two more responses, which I've included here. Uh, We got one more Durist and one more Corporalkai. So now our total count as to accounted Grisha we have is 12 Corporalkai, 8 Materialkai, and 17 Ethereal-Kai. So if you'd like to be included in this tally and you have not yet been included, please just send us a DM on Instagram, comment under the post on our Instagram feed, or just send us an email at intothefoldpod at gmail.com. Which leads us into our next little bit of news from the voice of the people is we have a email from one of our listeners, Anna. And Did would you, you like... just try to tie together two segments? You said news from the voice yeah. of the people. Possibly. It could be a new gross. segment. Who knows? Jeff yeah, will listen back to this gross. later. Don't He'll... do that. <laughs> Wait, this is another thing from the voice of the people. Jeff will listen back to the audio later and he'll figure out if I said what I thought, what he thinks I said. Because uh, I can't remember. You said what you said. I said what I said. And I... That's you that, said what it. you said. I know I heard it. That's it. That's it. That's fine. I'm not mad about it. Um, Okay, so would you like me to read this, Jeff, or would you like to read the email from Anna? I'll read the email from Anna. Okay, what did Anna have to say to us? 
First of all, spoiler alert, this has reactions to our very spoiler-heavy discussion of the second season of Shadow and Bone. So if you still haven't watched it, go watch it. And if you're not gonna, then fine. You've been spoiler warned, and that's all we are obliged to do. <clears throat> Hello again, says Anna. I wanted to share some of my thoughts on season two of the Netflix adaptation. I know you've already dedicated an episode to talking about the show. I wanted to send you an email earlier, but I've been so busy with finals, I haven't had the time. First of all, The Crows. It was a bold choice to adapt so many plots from Crooked Kingdom. That said, I think they made the best choice. Tackling the ice court heist would have been impossible to do whilst balancing Alina's story. If fans did not see any book stuff, I think we would have been disappointed. Although I agree with the decision, I felt a lot of the character development was somewhat unearned. Hmm. Alina's story was a wild ride. What they decided to keep in and what was left out felt random, but that might just be me. I haven't much else to say other than thoughts on the ending. This is the spoiler part. They continued to make Mal not a total douche canoe. I still don't like him, but I would not have been upset about Alina getting together with Mal. But then Nikolai, in all capital letters, but Zoya, exclamation point. Now for predictions, which ties into my thoughts on the ending. With all the talk of Marizost present in this season, combined with YA's predilection to exploring themes of moral struggle and resisting the darkness within, I think the goal is to loosely adapt King of Scars focusing on Marizost. The framework is all there, but major character changes will likely be made. I know a Six of Crows spinoff is being pitched, so I think if we get renewed for Season 3, it is unlikely the Crows will play a major role, if any. Overall, I enjoyed the show, but felt the final episode fell into the trope of throw a bunch of shit at the wall and see what sticks. I always look forward to hearing your lovely voices each fortnight, most ardently, Anna. Hmm. I think I'm going to have to agree with Anna and say that I, too, think that the last episode was kind of them. It went a little bit off the rails, you know. It did. It felt, I mean, it's it's interesting. Anna describes it as, you know, throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. They did toss out quite a lot of stuff at, yeah. the, at the end of that season. My interpretation was they're leaving as many loose ends as possible mm -hmm. because since they don't know the future of the show or a spinoff show, they're leaving as many loose ends as they can until they decide which ones need to be tied up and how. Because yeah. if you recall, I think, um, I know this was my prediction, I think we were in agreement on this, correct me if I'm wrong, that mm -hmm. they're going to pivot from focus having Shadow and Bone stuff with the Crows tied in, they're going to pivot and focus on the Crows stuff with King of Scar stuff tied in. I think I think what it's been posted so far from what I've seen is that they're considering a Six of Crows spinoff in addition to a third season of Shadow and Bone, which in my mind makes me think that they're going to separate the Six of Crows characters and storyline, obviously, and then possibly pursue the King of Scars storyline via via the second, sorry, the third season of Shadow and Bone. But. I, I don't think anything is confirmed in either direction yet because there have been a lot of like listings that say they're going to be doing a six of crows spinoff people pursuing the third season of shadow and bone. So it's 
I would say at best it's up in the air right now. So we don't really yeah. have anything solid. And it's 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 a little difficult to tell how much crossover there is between have read the books, do mm-hmm. watch the show because with any Netflix adaptation, you're going to have a whole host of people who haven't read the books or haven't read them yet and this is their source material this is all they have to work off of so in that regard you've already got the recognition of the shadow and bone name so first of all i think the idea of them splitting off and doing two separate shows that's a terrible idea that is a terrible idea idea. it's it's an awful idea because they've already woven these characters together so carefully and they've already overlapped them so much in ways that didn't exist before the netflix show that why on earth would you undo that plus if you have two different shows you have two different budgets you have either either one crew being stretched too thin doing two different programs or you have two parallel programs with different crews each trying to accomplish the same thing so if you've already got them in one show then why bother splitting them up now why bother I like how you're thinking of the financial consequences of Netflix as part of this argument. (laughs) Well, you have to, because I think another part of why we don't have confirmation that this is going to definitely happen yet is because Netflix has this reputation even now for greenlighting everything. And one of the consequences we're seeing of that now more and more all the time is that they greenlight everything. You get one, maybe two seasons of this show. It goes viral on the internet. It finds its fan base. It does great. And then how many times have we logged onto Facebook and been scrolling through our newsfeed and we see an article that says Netflix has canceled, insert show title, after one or two seasons? I'm still mad at them because they, I will, I will probably always be mad at them, honestly, because they canceled Dead End Paranormal Park, which I realize not many people care about except for me. But yeah, I never heard of it. I, I love that show for so many reasons, and I, I connected with it for so many reasons, and it isn't just that they canceled it before it was resolved, it was because there were a lot of really important plot points that mm-hmm. they left hanging, and they didn't, I mean, even if they would do one movie, just do a movie to resolve it and and help the fans to let go, do that, you can do it, you're Netflix, but because they greenlight everything, they can't keep everything going because I really pity the accountants who work at Netflix that have to go over the numbers and do the budgets and say, look, if you want to keep this show going, this is how much you're going to need. And based on viewership numbers, I don't think you're going to be able to justify the cost of doing another season of the show to the board of directors. And that's why the things we love keep getting canceled. So no, if you've built the show up in a particular way, you have to stay the course, because if you try to undo all that now, then we're never going to get to the end of this thing. I'm reading some of the Instagram posts that have all the updates on the Six of Crows spinoff and the Shadow and Bone season three. And yeah. from, what, from what I've gathered, it looks like they are trying to do a season three and a Six of Crows spinoff, like as separate things from what it's saying here. Look, I'm not going to complain if we get even more content from these people because I'm enjoying it. I like that it's different. I Mm -hmm. like what they're doing. Not everything about it is perfect, but I don't care. I am enjoying this. So if they want to give us more of that content, then fine. 
but I have concerns that I think are valid, that I think I've backed up with evidence and proof and experiences that if they do it this way, it's going to create more problems than it will solve. But you know what? They're Netflix. It's their money. Mm -hmm. And all I know is they better... They they better not screw these actors over because if they do, I'm going to whine about it incessantly and accomplish nothing. Yeah. Sounds like a plan, Jeff. I, I like that you have a good, solid, actionable plan. Whine, cry, complain, make your voice known, and just sit back and watch, right? Right. Oh yes, I'm very I'm very realistic in that way. I I say, oh my, you you hear people get mad about that kind of stuff. Like they're like, oh yeah. my god, I am going to completely oh lose god. it if oh my god if they do that, I am going to completely lose it. And I say, okay, great, you're gonna lose yeah, it. Well, and what are the consequences of that? Nothing. Then the thing you're losing it about is still going to exist exactly uh-huh. the way it exists right mm-hmm. now. And mm-hmm. are you gonna feel better? Do you think you're actually going to like reach out to their customer service line and accomplish something? No. No. It doesn't work that probably, way. Probably not. So, regardless of what they do, Jeff, you and I will just take whatever it is and share our feelings about it with the show. So how's about we get into talking about this Six of Crows book that we keep threatening to talk about before we find other things to talk about? Yes, let's let's do it. Let's head into the main discussion. And listeners, this week, like we said, we are talking about chapters one and two of Six of Crows. So if you have not read them, go back, give them a read through. And if you don't really care, join us. We're going to talk about them anyway. So if you want to read them, you can. If not, it's all good. We're going to talk about them anyway. Uh, so... Jeff, I noticed that you have some things that you want to point out that was different from the beginning of this book into the in comparison to all the books we got in the Shadow and Bone trilogy, because you're correct in that it does start very differently than any of the other books we've read so far. And I personally forgot how the first chapter went, and I thought the second chapter was the first chapter in my head. But it it is different. But what else? What did you notice, Jeff, that was so different for you? Well, we've talked about how Lee Bardugo evolves as a writer. There are some things that she retains. But now that we're in a whole different set of books and we are in a significantly larger book than the books we've been dealing with up to this point, it's interesting how not only in terms of the content that she's writing, it is evolving but the way that she's presenting the content to you is also changing significantly with this book. You still yeah. get a prologue, but instead of before and after, you get chapter numbers and then you get the name of a character. Because in this case, we're going to be getting, I guess you could say, objective outsiders? Because this first chapter yeah. is called Jost. And Jost is just here to be this poor, whiny, not poor and whiny. I'm, I'm being mean to Jost. I don't need to do that. I think he's still it's a little just, poor and whiny. 
I think the way he's described, it's obvious he's self-conscious about things that are not strong characteristics in him that for someone Mm -hmm. in his position, most people would say ought to be. He's not very tall. He doesn't fill out his uniform very well. He can't grow a mustache. He can't woo the girl that he likes. Mm -hmm. And we'll get to him in a minute. But as far as how this changes the book, we're not getting descriptions of characters we already know just with with abstract names like boy and girl we're yeah. getting a peek into what's going to happen from the perspective of somebody who's not directly involved in the action that forms most of the content it's just this is something they are observing that is going to be important so it's kind of put a pin in this kind of mm-hmm. stuff because it's going to come up you know the what it reminds me just, of a little bit is what does you know it remind you in- of you know the first chapter of of um, Goblet of Fire. Yeah, how we Frank, Frank, and yeah. like it's just kind of it, it's a very it like, and that book too also is very similar. If you like to how this is different than the first three Harry Potter books too, because we always get in the first three Harry Potter books, it's like Harry was a boy living in, in, at with his with his aunt and uncle. This one, the fourth one, we start out with like this guy Frank, who we we have no idea who he is. He's got like this little lantern. He's at a lighthouse, which I kind of feel is like the same kind of shift that happens here whereas we're used to like getting the boy and the girl this is what they're doing blah 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 whereas this one's like this guy is kind of a loser and he's trying to get this girl but then something bad happens and it's like okay See, again cool. he's not a loser because he's a bad guy he's a loser because of the society that he's in but like i said we'll get to him in a second because he gets to tell us about the first chapter but then from that point forward it's going to be switching perspectives from characters who are all mm-hmm. interacting with each other we're gonna flash back a little bit and then we'll we'll get back to the present but it's interesting because you get each chapter from a specific character's perspective and it's gonna be interesting i think because i've never thought this hard about it like take the second chapter for instance we the the primary action of the second chapter is this parlay meeting between kaz and his lieutenants and the head of the black tips but mm-hmm. it's from Inej's perspective. We get some insight into her character and her skill set, but she is literally got a bird's eye view of the action going on in the second chapter, which makes it a very, very smart choice for her to be the one who narrates what's going on in this chapter. She's not directly involved in this conversation, Mm -hmm. but she can see everything, and she plays an important part in making sure it goes the way that Kaz wants it to go. So it's going to be interesting to see each chapter, like, there are some Mm -hmm. that are going to be more obvious than others, but why is this character the one who's narrating this chapter? Well, I think that's something you and I can talk about too, Jeff, because like you said, there are multiple options in each scene and each chapter for the, a different person to be telling the story and be like the head of the chapter. And I'm sure a lot of the times you and I will agree with Lee's choice, but I'm sure there will be times where you and I were thinking like, oh, I kind of wish that this chapter was from a different character who's like in the scene's point of view, because that would give us a totally different like out- outlook on whatever the action is that's happening in the scene i i will say that in chapter two just to like preface it i i do agree with lee's choice of narrator and i think that in the first chapter she also does make a good choice of narrator too but she could have gone with a lot of other people too so i think that's going to be a discussion that you got you and i will probably continuously have going from chapter to chapter but 
I definitely am interested to see what we think as we go forward. And something else about, I mean, just where we are and how we interact. We talked um, when we were uh, discussing the Shadow and Bone trilogy about how we really don't leave Ravka. We're there Mm -hmm. the whole time. We hear about other countries somewhat, but pretty much this is very, very Ravka centered like we go to Novia Zem for a little bit but we're not there for very long like they mm-hmm. barely make it there they're there a couple of weeks and then they're back before you know it but in this case just because we've read these books before we know where all of this is headed we are in Kerch but even in these first two chapters we hear about almost every other country that exists we don't hear about the wandering isles or um, we don't hear about Fierda so much, but we heard about Fierda quite a lot in the last few books, and we will, we will be oh, hearing worry. all about Fierda in we'll this in this series. Yeah, you could bet on that. But it's interesting because it's centered in Kirch, the action, but then it expands outward because that's the job that Kaz and his crew are going to take on. They have mm-hmm. to leave Kirch and they have to go to Fierda so that they can rescue a shoe scientist before this compound that can empower Grisha across the world gets too far. Yeah, I definitely, I think it's interesting getting, because like you said, we only really got Ravka in the last couple of books, and it's so interesting to me to see specifically like Ketterdam, because that's uh, that's where we're going to see most of the interworkings, like the, the most minute interworkings happening, just because Kaz and his crew are part of those minute interworkings. But how differently it operates from Ravka, and how it's, I just love I, I love the way Lee has created this world and how everything is so like money in this world. And it just Oh God. Yeah. I hate money, but I do I am so fascinated by how they do things in Kirch, in particular yeah. in Ketterdom. I mean, they have the Church of Barter they mention in the second chapter. They literally worship Money. Money. They have like a a the, the gel is no wait that's not gel that's Verda. That's Verda. Um, yeah. Which I was floored that you pronounce. Wait, wait, listeners, wait till we get this. But I'm just gonna put a pin in this. I was floored that it was pronounced gel when I listened to the audiobook. But we'll get to that later. Uh- so here we are though in this first chapter, and this this kid Jost is just walking around trying to think of how he can use words to impress. This girl, Anya, who is an indentured Grisha that works for Councilman Hode. So just in that statement alone, you have so much of an idea of exactly what we're doing. You've mm-hmm. got Grisha from other countries who are indentured. This is how they treat them here. They're yeah. slaves. They are slaves with contracts. And no doubt the contracts are written so that they in no way favor these servants who are very much looked down upon by the people who have money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very much so setting. I think it sets up the classist system and the ideals of money, I guess, that we're going to get into that are really, like we said, like a huge theme in these books that we're going to be reading. Listeners, if you don't see, if you don't realize that everything in this world is built around money... Clearly, either your brain is turned off or your eyes are not working because literally 
everything in this world comes back to like how much money can I make off of it. Mm. And it's going to be an interesting contrast because some people have got more money than others, but money is what really informs pretty much everything that goes on here. It's very, it, capitalism is literally a religion. It is a spiritual practice. It is in the blood of everything that happens here. And it's interesting that that's how this is, how it's going to be treated. Because we just spent three books in a country where most of the people with money are royalty or nobility and the crown is doing what crowns in books like this always do. They are pretending they have money that they don't really have. The country is broke, but they're still trying to win the fight. That's that's all very relatable. Here, it's like... It's literally a bidding war, except mm -hmm. it's not just a bidding war and some people will win or lose. It is a bidding war where people will live or die by the yeah. outcome of the yeah. bidding. And it's interesting, too, because I feel like everything, whether it's alive or an inanimate object, everything has a value. And we'll get one of my favorite quotes from out of many from Kaz Brecker when we get to chapter two. But everything has value here. And... You have to know how to allocate your coins correctly, I would say, to make the uh -huh. most out of make the most out of all the situations that are presented to you. Because a lot of the uh, ways that you can make the most value out of a situation aren't necessarily the most obvious. I agree, and you know, I, <laughs> I feel like we see this a lot. The the not so confident but still incredibly sweet young man who compares himself to other men and feels like he comes up short trying desperately to think how can I impress this girl and get her to like me? I've never been a fan of this because if yeah. it's it's sort of like how I've always said if I, I, I used to have a negative attitude towards online dating because I would say if you can't meet a person face to face, introduce yourself as you are and have the confidence to say, hey, this is who I am. I think we should vibe. What do you say? Then you probably shouldn't be trying to date these people at all. And, and here's mm -hmm. Joe's trying to think of all these gimmicks that he can use to impress this girl and get her to like him. And I'm thinking, how long do you really think you can keep that up, dude? Like, yeah. are you going to come up with a different metaphor for her eyes every day? Like, just, you gotta, that's why, you gotta be comfortable in who you actually are and hope that that's enough. If it's not enough for the person that you like, then you know what? You shouldn't be with them. That might be a hard pill to swallow, but if being yourself is not enough to attract somebody, then you shouldn't be trying to attract that person. Yeah, no, I agree. And we also get a little bit of insight into this situation, too, as to why he's probably a little bit more hesitant as well, because Anya's a Grisha, and she's not only just a Grisha, but she's indentured to Councilman Hode, who, like, doesn't want, obviously doesn't want his indentures, like, really interacting with his guards, or, like, he's not allowed to really date a Grisha or marry a Grisha or whatever. He says that, like, the relationship would be banned anyway, so he's kind of pursuing a lost cause in a way um oh but, yeah it's 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 lost no matter how you look at it and, and it, yeah uh, the councilman would have to give his blessing for the marriage yeah hmm. yeah why and does we meet that sound familiar yeah and we meet councilman hode a little bit later in the chapter and let's just say he's not like the most peachy gentleman i've ever met in my entire life 
Well, no, because the city, this is this is how they structure their government. This is how we find this out. Ravka is ruled by a king. Fjorda and Shu Han also have royal families. They are ruled by a city council of elected officials made up of rich old white guys. This mm-hmm. is rich old white guy central up in mm-hmm. here. And mm-hmm. of course, he's a bad guy. Of course he is. Of course he is. Because we're not here to fall in love with the rich people who pull the strings and run, you know, the the world. We're we're never supposed to fall in love with those people. They are here to be the root of all evil, as is money. Mm, Fortunately, we don't have to put up with him for very long. Because Jost, he he deals with some other very grumpy, not so pleasant to talk to Grisha. And then he goes and he witnesses this incredibly uncomfortable... Um, experiment with Jorda. I don't, they don't say, do they say, they don't say Jorda Parham yet. Like, we don't get an explanation for exactly what this Um, is. That doesn't, I don't think, I think, I think they did mention it towards the end of the chapter. I think they, um, because he has her describe what it tastes like to him as she's eating it. And I think that's yeah, when that's... they identify that it is. She's like, "Oh, it's Je- it's Jeda. It tastes like Jeda." The the author does the sorry. That's um, what Lauren Fortgang does a uh, like an accent for this for. Um... It's not Lauren Fortgang. Oh, it's not. Oh, who is it? No. Ah, see, that's something else that we didn't really talk about yet. And this is one of the fun things that you encounter when you come across audiobooks. Up until this point, the first three books of the Grishaverse are all narrated by the fabulous Lauren Fortgang, who is still in the mix. But because we're bouncing around between different characters, each character has their own narrator in the audiobooks. Uh, Lauren Fortgang, I believe, takes Nina. And that's it. Yeah, she takes Nina and then that continues because what it it, that's how they do Six of Crows. It's how they do Crooked Kingdom. Then once we get into King of Scars, that's when Lauren Fortgang goes back to taking over doing all the audiobook narration. And so it continues Ah. into Rule of Wolves. But no, you're right. This is a Ravkin Grisha. She describes that it tastes like Jerda. We do um we do get a glimpse that jerda is a thing that they chew it is a Mm -hmm. stimulant distilled from orange flowers it's basically like a little caffeine pouch that um stodwatch and soldiers use it to stay awake when they're on really long missions or sentry duty it's Um, almost like a caffeine pill yeah they turn this thing into powder they give it to this poor girl and i never really thought about this Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't have the first time I read Six of Crows because that was as far as I'd read. But it reminds me of the opening of Ninth House. You know how Alex is sent to observe the yeah. Skull and Bone Society? Um, they cut open this guy and they're looking at his innards and this is how they're supposed to be predicting the stock market. And then something goes terribly wrong. It's very that. They're conducting this experiment Experiment. because they're trying to achieve a certain end but then something goes terribly wrong so i I, what i wrote was this reminds me of the opening of ninth house but what i should say is chronologically based on the books were written oh um, yeah ninth uh yeah ninth house reminds you of this this opening reminds me of ninth house yeah yeah but ninth house was written in your head had some reflections of this in it as it was written possibly because Ninth House came after this. Yes, it did. 
It feels incredibly significant to me that they underestimate the effect of this drug on this girl because they think, oh, she's got a very sweet demeanor and she's an indenture, so we'll give her this drug. She'll be all powerful, but she'll still do what we tell her to do. That proves that they do not understand this drug that they are messing with, which is going to be a vibe, and they mm-hmm. underestimate the willpower and the determination of what we could call, for want of better terms, the working class, which is yes. also going to be a big vibe going forward. Yeah, we're definitely going to see a lot of classes, systems, and themes as we move forward throughout these books. Again, money. It's a big theme here on all the book and all the chapters. But yeah, I definitely agree with you too, because they have that exchange where they're like, oh, she's sweeter and she has a sweet disposition and that's why this will be okay. And we lowered the dose a little bit. And then they give her that and we get the whole scene of her chewing it, describing it, and then her eyes just like sucking themselves in essentially. And her nerves just like all going on point and her then telling the people who are around her to like shoot the glass and then kill themselves essentially. And luckily, she's as we far as we can tell, she saves the little kid who's been probably like uh, tempted with like five bucks or something to come and do this thing for for Consum and Hode, and they try to cut off his finger and everything, and it's just a, it's a it's a bad thing. And mm, no, I really thought they were gonna do it though. Like yeah, same. I, I I that was that was supposed to be the motivation. Mm-hmm. They they gave her the Jurda. She heals the cut, not just heals it, but heals it so well, it appears to disappear. And they're like, okay, let's turn up the juice. Let's cut off this kid's finger. And she's like, counterpoint, I'm going to um, crush your skulls like coconuts. And then I'm going to walk out of here. And we don't find this out until much later. But unfortunately, the fate that befalls this poor girl is the same fate that befalls many, many Agrisha who are the Mm -hmm. um, subjects of these sinister experiments. It really just the longer you peek under that rock, the worse this whole thing gets. Yeah, yeah. And I, I feel like this sets the perfect tone for us to move into chapter two, because it gives us just enough like of that what the hell is going on and intrigue and also that hint of capitalism that we needed to move on into chapter two, Jeff. Yep. In the second chapter of the book, there's going to be a prayer meeting. Not not really a prayer meeting. It is in the Church of Barter, though. It's in the Church of Barter, right? Yes, but I think the the most important thing before we start off is to remind listeners that this chapter is from Inej's perspective. So yes. we were just with Jost, and now we're with Inej. So carry yes. on, sorry, Jeff. So we have switched... No, it's okay. We switch over to Inej's perspective. She's up on the ledge of a building looking down on this parlay between Kaz Brecker, mm-hmm. arguably the real leader of the dregs mm-hmm. whose tattoo is on my arm yeah he goes in with his lieutenants the leader of the black tips shows up with his lieutenants and they are there to negotiate again this is <laughs> this is going to give you a very clear idea of the kind of relationship that exists between these types of characters we went from the people who run the system to the people who run the system system. because you've got the respectable faces who run the government and make a lot of important decisions and then you've got the gangs who are really in control of a lot of what goes on in this universe and Uh, yeah 
I, can we just take a moment of silence, Jeff? Because uh, I was listening to this while I was walking through Walmart and while I was in my car. And I was like, literally out loud as I was walking, I was like, I fucking love Kaz Brecker. I was like, oh, I love this book. This book is so good. Uh, <laughs> yes. Moment of silence for how much we love Kaz Brecker. We love Kaz Brecker. Thank you, Kaz Brecker. Uh, just because he drops so many good one-liners. And Inez, too. Like, thing, the way that uh, Lee Bardugo is so good. I love her. See, I figure he must be, like, I wonder, it, it has been asked many times, somebody who is this clever, like, what could he have accomplished if he had had a normal childhood, happy family, normal life? Like, we'll talk about it when we get to it in the books, but when you find mm-hmm. out Kaz Brecker's backstory, it <sighs> is very hard. emotionally it is Mm -hmm. a hard one to read not just because of what happened to get them here but then what happened as a result of that and then how all of this turned kaz brecker into this insatiable like revenge demon he will it's it's they call him in this chapter they call him Dirty hands. dirty hands and they say dirty hands has come to see the rough work done they talk about how kaz is no kaz will take on any job there is no scheme he won't concoct there is no underhanded deed that he won't perform in order to meet his object and that is absolutely correct he is an Worthless. unstoppable force and no immovable object is going to get in his way he's a juggernaut he is a he, juggernaut of vengeance. And he is so, the things that he does are like so like smartly evil that like you shouldn't like him. You like, you really shouldn't because he's not doing good things. But I fucking love him. I think he's so great. Like, think about the Darkling. Like, up to this point in this chapter, all we know is uh, Kaz is a young member of a gang. He's very underestimated, but that's by design. He's underestimated because he walks with a cane. He's Mm -hmm. not very old. His gang isn't the biggest or the most well-funded or even the one that's been around the longest. But he's constantly underestimated, which is part of his thing. It's part of how he gets ahead. And mm-hmm. he is somebody who is clearly very well immersed in a crime syndicate because according to him, he is seeing the world the way it really is because yes. he mentions how he was there are some people who come to the barrel thinking that they know what it's going to be like and they get swallowed up. But he is the only kind of person like I, I'm the kind of person that can only exist because they were bred in this place they were born for this kind of life and that is why i cannot be beat here because this is everything about who i am yeah oh my god i love Casperger so much and <sighs> think about that compared to the darkling the darkling is a character who did absolutely terrible things to good people mm-hmm who didn't deserve it. And all throughout, his defense is that he is the chosen one. He is the only one who can create a world that is actually going to be suitable for his kind. Like He he has this questionable, subjective morality that he uses to defend to Alina the things that he's doing. Whereas Kaz 
isn't trying to get anybody to think, look, you need to let me do my thing because I'm the one with the vision here. He's the one pulling back the mask and saying, look at the world. This is what the Mm -hmm. world really is. I'm just living in it. So you can get with the program and do what I tell you to do or get the hell out of my way. Yeah, he's definitely like a realist in a lot of ways where I feel like the Darkling is more fanciful, obviously fanciful when he's a drag queen. Uh, Yeah. But he is he's trying to create a facade, whereas I feel like you're right, Kaz is trying to strip away the facade and just be like, hey, I got these people because I know these things about X, Y, and Z and just sucks to suck. Sucks to suck that you didn't do the research. Sucks to suck that I'm just smarter than you when it comes to this one specific thing. And I think, yeah, I, I just, I love how smart Kaz Brecker is. I love his attention to detail and even in the things that he says and Inej notices this too and she kind of uh, gives us this information as she's observing him he's very calculated everything Mm. every move that he makes and every sentence that he chooses seems to have a purpose and a weight to it and I find that very um, interesting and endearing in a way Mm-hmm. And with Kaz, you, you find out, just like I said, I think I was kind of starting to say earlier, and then I didn't quite finish my thought, but imagine if somebody with his intelligence and his skill, mm-hmm. imagine if he'd had a normal life, what he could have, he still could have, he's he could have owned, um, he could have owned Kirch, but he would have owned the l- other side of Kirch. Yeah. He, c- he could have worked his way up to being one of the most prominent and successful legitimate businessmen in Kirch. He would could have been one of the greatest financial minds in the city and in a way he is. He's just willing to get down and dirty to get rich from a certain side of it. Yeah, I think Kaz Brecker is like an engineer for people and systems. He is one of those people too where if you gave them like a clock he would open the clock and see how exactly how everything was put together and i feel like he does that with people too he deconstructs them to find exactly where their pressure points are and then presses them in the exact right moment that's exactly who like when you said he's an engineer of people that is one mm-hmm. of the most brilliant descriptions of Casbrecker that i've heard because that's exactly Thank what you. he is he takes people him. apart and then he might put them back together if they pay him just, enough. Yeah, or he'll just but he's not just going to go around taking apart people willy-nilly. Like he, One of my favorite things that I've ever read, one mm-hmm. of the smartest lines I've ever read, I've written Ooh, it down yeah. here, it comes up yeah. in this chapter, yeah. when it says, a secret's not like coin. It doesn't keep its value in the spending. This <sighs> is how he gets it done. Information. Yeah. That's how he found out that Bulliger was double crossing him that's how he found out what he needed to about the leader of the black tips because Mm -hmm. he knew he was gonna get screwed over he trusts nobody and he finds out about everybody and then he doesn't just go to them and blackmail them and say oh i found out this thing now pay up or else that's what stupid people do kaz Mm -hmm. brecker is a lexicon of dirty secrets and mm-hmm. information and he mm-hmm. unleashes everything at exactly the right time which is why he is not caught unawares at this parlay he knows who's on the take he knows the ones on the take are the ones who mm-hmm. are watching from the rafters and that's why Inej is up there 
I feel like Kaz Brecker, so just another uh, metaphor, I feel like most of the people in in Ketterdam are like you and I, Jeff, probably are. Like when they get a new electronic or something, they throw the instruction manual to the side. Kaz Brecker is the one skirting around from recycling bin to recycling bin, picking up these instruction manuals and reading them all and keeping that information to himself so that as soon as something breaks down he's like aha i have that information and then you're like wait how did you know that and it's like i know i just know things he just he's an information collector he likes to read people like 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 they are instruction manuals and then he can use that information later at a later date when it's more useful to let people know because he is trying to keep keep what he has to himself as possible yep we get every different kind of person from this encounter we get kaz the young up-and-comer who is going to win the day no matter what it takes we have jesper the lovable goofy sidekick who's still reliable but obviously shouldn't be in charge you have the old withered um, thinks they know everything gang leader who is going to lose because they're old and withered and think they know everything. You've mm-hmm. got the big, dumb, dirty double crosser who doesn't even realize he's in danger until it's too late. You have corrupt authority figures with guns. You've got Inej, who is the person who watches and who thinks and she is so useful and so complicated and there are just so many and it's it's not only great because she's got a bird's eye view of the action that she's the narrator here but we get so many insights into her character and the more we find out about what kind of person she is likely to be revealed as the more i feel like i i I knew i knew that her story was going to break my heart I knew Mm -hmm. her story was going to break my heart because we've I mean, she's got knives that have names. She believes in saints. She clearly has a crush on this incredibly damaged boy who is leading gangs. Um, The thing that troubled me the most, though, is when she catches up with the crooked Stodwatch guard with the gun in the rafters. Mm -hmm. When he begs the way she enjoys how men beg mm-hmm. like it's not just that he is begging oh i like the way you beg which has been used before it's oh she, it's like she loves it when men beg that most of the time when a young beautiful female character who has knives that she loves enough to name them enjoys it when men beg it is because terrible 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 things have been done unto her yeah well, and I will also preface, um, like, follow up with what you said, Jeff, in that I don't think there's a single crow that we're going to meet that doesn't have a devastating backstory or at least one or two moments of their history that make us, like, cry, honestly. Well, of course, because otherwise, why would you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't end up in that environment and you wouldn't <laughs> yeah. accept that kind of a mission unless you have got something that really, really terrible 
that has happened to you. And people can, you know, disagree all they like on who's got the more tragic story. And we won't get all the characters' stories in this book, even. Because there's another one after this where we find out a lot of information. But you know what? We have abandoned the facade of, oh, we're going to treat this like the first read-through. We did that for anybody who might be relatively new that isn't catching up on old episodes. We tried that for the first couple of episodes. It wasn't working. Mm Mm-hmm. It wasn't. It was too hard to keep it up. We kept slipping. We kept just wanting to talk about what we already know is going to happen, so we can kind of compare. Like we just, we we didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah, and I I don't think we're going to spoil things too much, but it is nice to just have that level of comparison too, and like give little hints as to what's going to be coming up too. Because I think you're right in that Kaz has the collection of broken toys. And each of them has their own strengths, and each of them has their own weaknesses. And together, they make a collection of broken toys that seems to work out okay most of the time. He is a broken toy. Oh, yeah, he's included in that. What? He likes taking things apart because he Mm -hmm. has been taken apart. Because Ah. that is how he learned to understand himself, and so he now takes those principles and he applies them outward to others. In another world, would Kaz Brecker be a psychologist? No, in another world, Kaz Brecker would be going to um, the university and he would be graduating like five years ahead of his time and he would be a genius. Just a straight... He's a genius now. (laughs) He's just... He's a flawed genius. I mean, I feel like every genius out there is flawed. We can examine the examples as they come, like the people that he hurts. Like, like just let's let's just start here with Bulliger. Bulliger double crossed the gang, so yes, he injures Bulliger and he shows him no mercy. But that's the game. That's what you sign up for. The mm. leader of the Black Tips. Does he show him mercy? No. And why should he? The Black Tips are a gang. The Dregs are a gang. Morally, they're on equal footing. So if they kill each other, they kill each other. If they don't, they don't. So, and he talks about um, this whole meeting, which we haven't even, we haven't really brought this up, but we can kind of close the chapter out with this. The whole reason they're having this meeting is because Mm -hmm. they're fighting over whether or not it's fair that the Dregs have dibs on Fifth Harbor. Kaz Brecker mm. is the one who turned Fifth Harbor into something that can make money, and now all of the other gangs are trying to get a piece of it. And that's the gang world. I get it. You have turf. People encroach on your turf. You protect your turf. I get it. But does 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 this does this do the black tips really think that they're gonna tell Kaz, oh it's not fair, you need to share share is caring. The fuck is wrong with you, dude? The fuck is wrong with you? You really don't think that's going to work. He's just trying to distract him because this crooked counts. No, because you know what? This because this crooked Stodwatch guy with the gun up in the rafters that Inej has a knife to was supposed to be shooting him. It was a setup. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they a crooked Stodwatch member. He he. They don't all get killed, but is crooked Stodwatch member. Yeah. Severely punished leader of the. Black Tips, same. Bulliger, big same. And what is Fifth Harbor? They're fleecing all of these ignorant rich people who are coming off of the boats. And yeah, yeah. they're making their money 
by either robbing people or tricking them into parting with their money. And yeah, robbery is not nice. It's not fun. But on the other hand, if a person keeps their wits about them and doesn't go to places that they shouldn't be going, are they really in that much danger of getting robbed? Probably not. So Kaz Brecker is part making sure that a fool and their money are soon parted. He is not beating up people for the pleasure of it. He is not committing sexual assault on anybody. He is not messing with children. So say what you will about him. He's not a nice guy, but he's not going around committing heinous acts just for the joy of it like some people would. He is only doing that which is necessary to survive in the only world that he knows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he lives in a violent world, and gotta do violent things in the violent world, you know? You really do. I mean, it's 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 what he has, and when we find out his backstory, it'll make sense why he's so caught up in this world, but it is all he has. He mm-hmm. will not survive unless he constantly asserts himself in the only language these people will understand, but as for the victims of his behavior, is he the worst? No. 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 He is far from the worst. And that, I think, is an important part of why he remains a character that people are willing to fall in love with. Because he's not the worst. And in this kind of a story, yes, not being the worst is enough. Yeah. I feel like, even though Kaz definitely is directly responsible for some of the violence that occurs in this chapter, he... Compared, I'm trying to think of someone else that I would compare to that is like literally the absolute worst. And the person that comes into my mind is the apparat. And the apparat mm-hmm. doesn't actually physically cause actual violence, more or less, for the most part. His his like his level of like violence that as opposed to Kaz is much lower. But we hate him so much more. We just hate him so much more. And like Kaz, even though he he does commit some violence, we just love him. He's so good. It's so good. I think of, like, the King of Ravka. Mm, yeah. I mean, what he did to Jenya, what he wants to do to his enemies just to assert Ravka's dominance and authority. And to him, people will die, but they're nameless, faceless people who are fated to die because he feels like he's the king and they are not, so they owe him and have to do whatever he says. Mm-hmm. When that's 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 not what I mean, I would take somebody like Kaz, who is robbing from the rich and giving to himself and leaving it at that. And the other as for the other gangs. So what? They're gangs. They're as far mm-hmm. as I'm concerned, um, morally, they're on equal footing. So if he if he like if he kills a kid, that's despicable. If he kills a rich person. Well, what did the rich person do? But if he kills a fellow gang member, kills a fellow gang member. Fine. Perhaps we could shift into something a bit more whimsical for a fun segment. What do you say? Whimsical. Okay. Whimsical. Okay. You know what? Since we are easing into Six of Crows today, which we have finally done, hooray, Mm -hmm. I'm going to encourage you to come up with words for this Mad Lib we will be filling out. Oh, boy. Okay. That are on theme, but they don't have to be. 
Okay, so I, I should I'm think just, in a Six of Crows direction, but it doesn't have to be that way. Yes, just okay. kind of think of the Six of Crows universe as you choose these words. Okay, cool. All right, give me an adjective. Violent. Give me a food. Oh, coffee. Give me a verb. Sprinting. Sprinted, sprinting, whatever the format of that is. Sprint. Give me a phrase. Secret's not like coin. It doesn't keep its value in the spending. It's also a kind of deodorant. (laughs) 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 Give me a noun. A noun. Let's do waffles. Give me a food. Oh, I just did a food. Okay. Um, Blueberries. Give me a color. Purple. Give me something you would ride in. The Dumbo ride from Disney World. Give me an animal. Lemur. Give me a person. Inej. See, I I love how, like, you kind of deviated there for a while because I'm like, the Dumbo ride, lemurs. <laughs> but, but then you bring it back and you're like, okay, Inej. Yeah, I'm, I'm all over the place, Jeff. You know? <laughs> On point. All right. Okay. So here's the fun thing about this particular Mad Lib. I found a website called glowwordbooks.com where you can uh-huh. generate Mad Libs randomly instead of just filling them in on paper or in a Google Doc like we normally do. Mm-hmm. So I typed these in having no idea what kind of Mad Lib this was going to be. I just okay. typed in the words and now we are going to figure out together what kind of Mad Lib we've created. Okay. Read it to me, Jeff. Today, I went to my favorite taco stand called the Violent Lemur. Nice. Unlike most food stands, they cook and prepare the food in the Dumbo ride from Disney World while you sprint. Nice. The best thing on the menu is the purple waffle. Instead of ground beef, they fill the taco with blueberries, cheese, Mm -hmm. and top it off with a salsa made from coffee. If that doesn't make your mouth water, then it's just like Inej always says. Secrets aren't like coin. It doesn't keep its value in the spending. So we made like waffle tacos. (laughs) Yeah. With coffee salsa. um, The the best thing on this, uh, you go to the violent lemur, they prepare your food in the Dumbo ride at Disney World, and the best thing on the menu is the purple waffle which has blueberries in it which would in fact make yeah. it purple so that I think, fits i think the violent lemur is a great name for a club in ketterdam oh yeah the violent lemur oh that i mean I, I feel like even all the gangs would be rolling their eyes at anything that has the word violent in it but the like something with lemur in it yeah that would be great yeah we could open we can open the violent lemur jeff what do you think yeah, you know what? We're going to open the violent lemur and we're going to serve purple waffles. That's what we're mm-hmm. going to do. With coffee salsa Definitely. on the side. Cool. Cool. Love it. That was very good, Jeff. Thank you for, for bringing that lovely Mad Lib to the table today. You're welcome. Now, what was um, <laughs> yeah. what was on people's minds from um, from our last discussion? 
So as you listeners know, last time we chatted with you all, we were talking about season two of the Netflix show. And I will just give a huge shout out to our friend Kaylin, who is one of my friends and who's also a listener who prompted me to ask this question. She directly asked if we would ask this question. And I said, you know what? Let me put it on the Spotify question poll that we can ask. Because if you go to our Spotify, a lot of the times I'll post a poll there that you can vote on. And so I posted, this is our poll. Um, and what I posted was, did you notice Nikolai broke the chair in his last shirtless scene? Uh, the question answers to choose from were yes, no, I only saw abs and the last answer you could choose was stares at abs. So I, because we, Kaylin and I had this conversation, Jeff, because she sent me a little reel from the Netflix geeked people of, yeah. of Patty re- reacting to watching that scene with Ben and um, Jesse May Lee. And their whole conversation, as I think you've seen, was like, wow, you look so ripped and everything. And she got to the end of the scene and she was like, did you notice he broke the chair? I was like, I had no idea he broke the chair. Like, I was not looking at the chair. <laughs> I Apparently think my he breaks reaction the chair. when I saw that question was, what chair? What? Yeah, you're like, what chair are you talking about? And I sent you the clip and you're like, oh, there is a chair. Like, that why do I that. want to be that chair? Yeah. That was my comment. I was like, yeah. okay, he breaks the chair with his Nikolai muscles, but like, why do I weirdly want to be that chair? Yeah. So oh. our listeners responded, <laughs> and we had 33% of people say, yes, they saw the chair. 22% of people say, no, they only saw his abs. And 44 people said they were only staring at his abs. So most, so uh, 66% of people were did not notice the chair in any capacity. So... <laughs> We'll just say the majority of the people um, are with you, Jeff. And we did post this on our Instagram as well. And we got some nice comments. Uh, we had Ketterdam Waffles who said, abs, 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 abs. And we- <laughs> <laughs> But what about the abs? What about the abs? And then we had our friend Emily, which is what you responded to. And they said, I only saw the abs until he brought up the bro- until they brought up the broken chair. And I was like, wait, when did that happen? I had to rewind. Yeah, and, and then that's where you had your lovely comment, Jeff, where you said, why did you want to be the chair? And then Emily said, I'd be honored to be the chair. So you and Emily are going to have to fight for who gets to be the chair. No, <laughs> Emily can be the chair. I just wanted to, like, think about it. Yeah, just think about getting your back broken by Patty in his shirtless manner with his, like, 12-pack abs that he's got going on. Oh, honey, if if Patty wants to break some backs, I have a feeling he's got no shortage of offers. Oh, yeah, he could easily. For all I know, he's quite happily married with a family. I'm just saying that Mm. everybody on that whole damn show can get it. They can all get it. Well, they all know they're funny. That that video from Netflix Geek is quite funny, too, because Ben Barnes is the one being like, wow, you look so hot. Wow. It's like it's just it's great. I love Ben Barnes a lot, too. He's just such a cheeky guy. Um, It's it's, it's a cute little video. The abs are worth watching it for. And also the interactions that they have together as a cast, I think, are worth watching it for, too. So definitely go check that out. But we also have a question for you guys for next week. So thinking about what's happened in these first two chapters, one of the things that I wonder sometimes is, was it best for Kaz to leave Big Bulliger to drag himself out of the Church of Barter, or should he have killed him to make a more concrete example? So our question mm. for the listeners is, should Kaz have killed Big Bulliger 
in order to make an example of him. If you have any thoughts on this, you can feel free to answer our question on our Instagram where we'll be posting it. Or if you have a longer answer, you can email us into the full podcast at gmail.com. Yes. And next time, listeners, we will be talking about chapters three and four of Six of Crows. So definitely go ahead and read those. I would say with this book more than the Shadow and Bone books, I just the reading. If you're not reading these books, what are you doing? They're so good. So like, good. They're so good. You're missing out. So look forward to that next episode. And if you'd like to get in contact with us here over on the pod, you can listen to the podcast where all pods are cast. And you can also listen on YouTube at Into the Full Podcast. And our one source of social media, which we use frequently to interact with our community, is on Instagram. We are at Into the Fold Pod, and we would love to have you join our community of followers over there. Yes, it's never too late to comment on the poll that we mentioned up above. You can still leave a comment on that post. And if you'd like to send us a longer form, answer you can send it to into the fold pod at gmail.com and don't forget listeners we do have an etsy shop where you can actually purchase your very own six of crows sweatshirt handmade by me and it has the dregs tattoo on it so you too can have a have a removable more or less dregs tattoo because it's on the sweatshirt not on your arm and show your six of crows spirit and support the podcast and that's at grisha trading post on etsy or the link is in our link tree in our bio on, Etsy, on Instagram. And if you would love to do something kind for us that we would appreciate so very much, if you would leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere that you listen, we would love to share it here on the show. And if you are reviewing the podcast anywhere that we do not mention, please write in and let us know so that we can keep an eye out. And the best way that podcasts are spread is by word of mouth. So if you would like to tell someone about this podcast, maybe someone you know has just watched the TV show and is really into it, and they would really love to read more about, oh, sorry, listen to more about what the show is based off of, send them on over here. We're more than happy to have more friends. Hooray. And until next time, no mourners. No funerals. There we go. That was good. Oh, yeah. We're doing it different. Hey, hey, changing how we do. This is the part where we leave air in the conversation so that I can insert the music. I wasn't talking anyway. I know. Okay. Fine. Cool. Okay. Shall we get started into our main discussion? Oh my god. What did you do? That's a vacuum? No. Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. This is actually hilarious. Um, <laughs> I forgot there was a paper shredder under my desk, and I accidentally oh. kicked the paper shredder with my foot, and it started shredding, and I didn't ah. recognize the sound, so my 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 lizard brain kicks in and is like, ah, 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 what the hell? 
That was pretty good. Oh, I'm man. glad that we I got glad that, that audio. I'm I'm glad that my wife is awake because if she hadn't been awake before, this would have been a very terrible way to wake up. You screaming and then be like, ah! And she's like, what? It's the paper shredder! Ah! Like, is your foot caught in the paper shredder? Like, no. no well, then what are you bitching about? No, my wife wouldn't say that. She's super no, sweet. Ash is too nice to say that. If you lived in Ketterdam, would you be on the, the dark side or the light side? If you mm, wouldn't call it the light side because the rich people are the real bad guys here. Mm. As much as this might sound kind of dark and I don't want to wish anything horrible on anybody, um, we might actually be mourning the loss of Lee Bardugo herself before we finish analyzing her series. I mean, Just honestly, because that, that's I hope she lives at. a good long life, but honestly, we're probably we're probably going to be like in the retirement home. Doing the lives of saints, because that's the last thing that we have to get to.